We should say hi at the same time. Okay. One, two, three. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. And I'm Vince. And this is The Lighthouse Lowdown. We're sitting out in our sunroom enjoying a cold front that came in about an hour ago. It was hun- like 100 degrees the past three days. Mm, delightful. Yeah, and then at 4 p.m. it started to get windy, and now it's like 75. We've got a fall candle lit. Yep, nothing like a good old storm in the sunroom. There's no storm. Not yet. Storm There's a storm coming. coming, but it's f- like four hours away, isn't it? And it yeah, said we'll probably. Be, we'll be fine. The uh, For now, we're looking at some nice fall colors. Uh, I don't really have anything to discuss. Oh, everyone needs to <coughs> be ready because we're doing a host swap next episode, two weeks from Hopefully. now. Vince will be doing an episode on a lighthouse and or lighthouse event that he has not shared with me. So we're going to be switching seats. Yeah. I'll get to enjoy. Yeah, you get to just respond and say, wow. Yeah, I can't. Wow, incredible. Wow, incredible. Yeah, so I have not yet started my research on that podcast, uh, and I'm concerned that I won't be ready. But let's see. You have so you have two weeks from now at the very, very latest. Yeah. To have your notes together. Right. It's not that bad. Every day is just something. There's always something. Yeah, it is life. It might not happen. <laughs> just so you know. What are you talking about? It has to. It might not. You should research too. I was going to take off. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can't back out of this one. You got my hopes up. And I'm ready. Do we have a uh, yes, we do. buoy? We got a history buoy. It's something that you asked about in our standard. Oh, wait. No, not standard rock. Um, flannel, damn it. The Little f- Ross. Flannel Isle mystery. Little Ross. That episode. You asked me. What's the difference between a nautical mile and a land mile? Mm, I don't remember. Well, you did. I have it on recording. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I'm doing that for our, our history buoy. I'm going to describe the difference. And the main overarching difference between the two of them is that nautical miles are more abstract of a measurement. And a land mile is something you can actually measure. I'll explain. L- a nautical mile, which is also called a league, is used to measure things over water or through air. It used to be defined as one minute of latitude around the earth. Okay. So the nautical mile was not a tangible measurement. It was based off degrees of latitude around the equator. There are 360 degrees around the earth because it's a circle. And each degree is divided into 60 minutes. So each Mm. one degree of latitude around the earth is broken up into 60 pieces. Each one is a minute. Then each of those minutes is one nautical mile. <laughs> and that obviously works in a grid because the earth is a sphere. So it works in every direction. Interesting. That's <laughs> like, really stupid to say. <laughs> I was thinking about that. And so each that. degree around the earth is 60 nautical miles. Hmm. So that's how it's broken up. Hmm. 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 Interesting. The symbol for nautical miles is NMI or NM or a capital M, which is used less since it can be confused with mile or meter or mm. something. So a land mile or, oh, I forgot. How, I looked this up how to pronounce statute. 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 <laughs> nice. 
statute. Okay, statute, Miles. It's S-T-A-T-U-T-E. Yeah, statute. Statute. Like a statue. I didn't statute. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Anyways. <laughs> land miles are obviously measured for land and are measured by paces. So it's something you can do yourself. It's, it's like measured in feet, tangent. isn't it? 5,280 feet. Yeah, but feet is based on paces. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Interesting. A land mile symbol is MI or lowercase mm. m, which you've all been waiting for. One nautical mile is equal to 1.15 land miles. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. It can't be. Why? Because you said a nautical mile is a non-physical measurement. Yeah, but it's it's a constant. It's abstract. We made it up. It's like not something you can go out and measure. So how do they know how fast they're going on a ship? They say we're going 40 knots. This is a very sharp change in conversation. <laughs> and that'll be my next history buoy. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> also, there's something else to research for a future history buoy um, with knots being depth uh, because I think they tied knots in some rope or something. You'll tell us more about it, hopefully. Watch the intro to King Kong. Uh, which one? The newer one? No, well, the old one? I don't know. <laughs> there might be a couple. But I, I seem to remember they had a rope that was in the water and it read off depth. And the depth was decreasing, which is a long building moment of tension in the film that they're approaching the island. Oh. Um, and it was like in the fog and such. But it's been many years. so We'll cover that next time. Let's do it. So today's episode, we're talking about a very specific point in history, one that we all know and love. We're talking about lighthouses in the Prohibition era. Ooh, pre-2016, the good old days. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yes, 100 years before that, actually. That's what you said, right? 2016? I said 2016. Okay. Before the world started ending, but you know. Excuse me, that was 2012 when the world was supposed to end. Oh, the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Mayans. Anyways. Prohibition. Yes. Well, I'll just get right into it. I'll start with a little bit of history on Prohibition. I wish I could have a drink during this Prohibition oh, discussion. Oh, yes. So this was supposed to be a, a drunkard episode, but Vince and I are starting Sober October a little bit early. So we can end early. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a Halloween party on the 22nd, so kind of have to be primed. That's right. We'll be primed for spooky season. We're, We're in Prohibition self-induced at this moment. Yes. Wow. So, so actually... This works out great. So fitting. Thank you for so, making that connection. Look at this. So what years are we talking about? So between 1919 and 1920, Congress passed a series of amendments that prohibited alcohol in the U.S. in lots of ways. That's sad. Yeah, it also didn't work. <sighs> you were not allowed to sell, produce, transport, or import alcohol. Don't look at it. Don't even, don't even think don't about even it. Think about it. This came about from Protestants who thought society needed healing from alcoholism, family violence, and saloon-based political corruption, which all those things are correct. We, ha- we have some problems. And alcohol's... What is it? Ex- it probably doesn't ex- help. Exacerbates. Ex- yeah. <laughs> Exacerbates. <laughs> but just do it fast. Exacerbates. 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 No, now see, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm rubbing off. Uh, but yeah, there there are problems. But you know restricting something is not going to make it go away. No, I think that's been proven a couple times in this country. Oh, yeah. 
we are the king of trying to restrict things and it going poorly. <laughs> We're awfully restricted for being so free. By 1919, many states had already passed laws restricting alcohol before mm. state um, by state. prohibition had happened. Yeah. And a similar movement had already started 100 years earlier. So the amendments were not like totally out of the blue. Dang. It wasn't like out of nowhere. It was kind of a build, a slow build to prohibition. Yeah. So uh, alcohol started to be banned, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1776, so eight, 1820s. So. Yeah, there was like a big years attempt. After the founding. Yeah, there was a big attempt around then to limit it at least, and. Jeez. But it I wasn't. I didn't realize it started like that. Yeah. But please continue. So nineteen, 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 twenty. It's been like chunky periods of time where people want to ban it, but it doesn't come through until nineteen nineteen. As an example, by nineteen oh six, the Anti Saloon League began attacking the sale of liquor in earnest in reaction to urban growth and a rise in negative views around saloons. It was like Whoa. saloons were bopping Gotta and get people rid of those things. were stopping. <laughs> those terrible <laughs> people in saloons. I know, disgusting drunkards. Nasty. We wouldn't understand anything about that. Never. Going to bars. Gross. <laughs> 1917, after the U.S. entered World War I, a wartime prohibition was passed to save wheat. Like, so you can make beer. Which spurred the introduction of the amendment that would be ratified two years later. Mm. So this kind of came about because of killing people. You're saying they just took a bill and just reapplied it elsewhere? I just mean that it was primed two years. Mm. It was like, oh, look how well we can get along. Yeah. If the hammer was falling already. This. It's like, that's because all the men were gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so peaceful and quiet. You can't you know, have. These are the wars happening somewhere else. <laughs> We're playing war on an away team basis. Yeah. In the prohibition, supporters were called dries and protesters were called wets. Huh. What? I find that amusing. <laughs> I'm just going to cut it out to where it's just like, huh. I find that amusing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, where there's a ban, there's the exact same thing happening just in secret. Oh, a b- okay. A band. I thought you said a band. I was yeah. imagining like, all right, let's get into music. Prohibition band. I bet there were some bops. Isn't this some the time of jazz? Right? I, I honestly don't know. Roaring 20s? Sounds, yeah. I think jazz was Yeah, the bop. 30s and the flappers and girls and such. The 30s was the Great Depression. Well, dirty 30s, yeah. But okay. wasn't, um, <laughs> oh, what's the the story? Gatsby. Wasn't that the 20s? Uh, I would think so. I think it was. I think that was during Prohibition. Oh, that's funny. It's funny. We should really know these things before I go and say them, but I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Well, we'll just go on in case you're wrong and then I don't have to cut out too much. (laughs) (laughs) Bootleggers. Okay, wait. So bootleggers or rum runners were people that sold or distributed alcohol illegally. Moonshiners made alcohol in their home or smuggled it. And speakeasies were secret places where people drink or purchase liquor so it could be a nightclub which is most often portrayed as a speakeasy or it can just be a liquor store a ton of bootlegging was done between the u.s and canada since liquor was not illegal over the border Hmm. so obviously we're right up against them and so there's a lot of gotta worry about that canadian border should we build a wall (laughs) (laughs) no political comments on this podcast (laughs) Additionally, areas of quiet coastline were very popular for this because it was easier to get away with smuggling stuff from a ship. 
when there's nobody on the beach and no police activity. Low traffic, low police activity. Yeah. So prohibition kind of transformed a lot of these quiet rural coastline areas into bustling towns. And that's where our lighthouses come in. Nice. Yeah. Because naturally where there is more trade, you have a lighthouse blooming. Because ships are crashing. Yes. Inevitably. There's more activity. You need someone to be watching. You need the way to be shown. Yeah. Yeah. Shine a light. So the lighthouses that came up were public or like did locals get together in all of these different areas that we're going to discuss and say, hey, my rum didn't arrive. You know, we need a lighthouse. (laughs) So in most instances, bootlegging was disguised as selling potatoes or sacks of flour. Mm. And that just looks like harmless trade. So really it's cocaine. And heroin potatoes. <laughs> what? Sorry, harmless trade. It's okay. In reality, sellers would hide their bottles of liquor inside these sacks. Uh, and in some cases would attach them, I just thought this was interesting, would attach them to a rope to the ship. So if they were boarded by, you know, inspection or something, Throwing. they could toss the sacks over the side and they would sink to the bottom because it's full of alcohol and potatoes. And then draw them back up after, like, authority had left. That's awesome. Because by then they probably knew that people were using sacks and they'd cut some open. That's awesome. So they had it down to a science. It was a business. So as this, quote-unquote, business boomed, the lighthouse service built lighthouses. Because there's more growth. You're like, I'm trying to port here and there's no lighthouse. I can't yeah. see anything. Like, they're not going to be like, you must be a rum runner. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you. That's awesome. There's a lot of money flowing around then. And actually... During the Roaring Twenties, of the around 40 lighthouses completed in the U.S., 21 of them were in the state's neighboring Canada. Hmm. Suspect. That may not be directly because of all of these places where where they were smuggling in liquor, but I guarantee it happened at least once. Oh, contributed for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's just interesting. More than half of the lighthouses completed in the Twenties were where we see lots of smuggling of liquor. That's so cool took me a long time to count (laughs) (laughs) yeah keepers are depicted in movies and stories as being alcoholics it's Mm. like a very common thing so it's just interesting that lighthouses and keepers are always not not just because of the prohibition era but like overlapping theme here is that keepers are usually seen as drunks drunkards yeah why is that do you know no, because realistically, keepers were just hard-working men and women that were just trying to get their job done. And actually, it was illegal for them to even have alcohol yeah. in a lighthouse, let alone if if they were found to be intoxicated. On duty. Not even on duty, just there, like in the lighthouse yeah. or w- living there. You know, it's like you're staying here because you have a job. It's not... You don't clock out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about a lot of these stories we've talked about with uh, keepers. They they seem like they would really be double A type people. That really, I mean, if you told me none of them drank at all, I'd I'd believe most of that. Well, especially when you think about them in their uniforms, twenty four seven. Those buttons. Yeah. Those hats. It's hard to believe that someone could be drunk and put all those buttons on. <laughs> So also liquor was not allowed in the lighthouse at all. So you couldn't even, they couldn't even do an inspection of the lighthouse and find 
alcohol otherwise you'd mm. be fired like fired you don't get a second chance yeah mainly because people's lives are depending on you having the light running properly and you can't do that when you're under the influence that's the allegations however wood alcohol was used to clean the lens and wood alcohol is just straight Oof. up methanol damn i know or sometimes keepers would make homemade hooch from fruits or vegetables. Nice. So it happens. It's not like it never happened. But stories about keepers being intoxicated are like, I don't know if you've read the plot to the movie The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson. No, but we should watch it. I think we should. I've just, I've read the plot. Oh, spoiler. Um, and it's dark. It's gross, disturbing nothing Jeez. nothing's happy about it there's no happy ending maybe okay Jeez. so this depiction of the light keepers is about as bad as it gets i bet the u.s lhs was not thrilled about that film yeah they're probably like, what are you doing but you know what okay props to the film though because they got the uniforms quite right okay but they gave they paid attention to all the details you gave kip you get yeah. they gave keepers a bad name the the movie mm-hmm. yeah definitely shame shame that yeah, I won't talk about anything, but just know. No spoilers. It's bl- it's in black and white, so that's good. <laughs> Sorry. The last movie I watched in black and white was the one... Citizen Kane? No, worse. <laughs> Way what? worse. Uh, the List. The That's about Nazi Germany. There was oh. a German guy. What's it? Liam Neeson's in it. Schindler's List, which is a, a movement of the film. I don't think it sounds like something I wouldn't want to watch. It's an excellent film. It has no intention of being an exciting or happy film. Yeah. But it's true. I think I believe it's a true story. Any war films are hard for me to watch. Do you want to hear the overview? Sure. So there was a a German who owned a factory and I'm wildly crunching this down because it's been many years. Um, (laughs) Hopefully it's not getting edited. A German man named Mr. Schindler who had compassion for uh, people who were suffering at the time, obviously were Jews. So he employed them in his factory. And as the Nazi power rose and the Nazi government took over uh, everything, they kept looking at his business and asking him why he had these Jews and well, he could employ them for a low rate, and he, he he spoke to the Nazis in defense of his employing Jews in a negative way. He was a friend of the Nazi party, but in actuality, he was providing a good life for these Jewish yeah. people. And it got, he actually signed contracts with the Nazi party military to make Lots and lots and lots and lots of equipment and materials that they needed. Oh, so he had gosh. these enormous contracts, which allowed him to expand and expand and expand his manufacturing business, employing thousands and thousands of Jews. And uh, it, it he was saving them, essentially, yeah. from Concentrate much, much camp. worse. Much, they, much worse. Is this a true story? I believe it is true. Uh, it might be slightly embellished for the film, yeah. but I believe it is a true story. Oh, that's fun. Maybe I do want to watch it. So it's. I mean, it's not like it's going to be. It's all tough. Like but hunky dory at the end, but. Yeah, it's also in black and white. That's why. That's where how we yeah, got here. That's how. I was like, wow. So when you're like, happened. yeah, this lighthouse films in black and white. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> Nazi Germany. 
Yeah, apparently black and white films are never happy. Give me a single black and white film that's a that's a feel good film. I don't know. Oh, no, I was gonna say that it's a wonderful <laughs> life, but not really. Yeah. It's a wonderful life. That's black and white, right? I don't think I've seen that film. Whoa. Okay, so Christmas time. Let me see. Oh yes, I have. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Yes, thank yeah. you. That part's happy. Wow. Drunkards. Let's move on from that. Uh, Let's rewind. Let's digress. Yeah. So I was talking about Drunkards. how keepers are depicted and that sometimes alcohol plays a role in their lives yeah. uh, in that methanol is used to clean the lens. And they made their own. And sometimes they made their own like wine. Fruit based stuff. Yeah. Sangria. Nowadays, coming back from the tangent, methanol is used in pesticides, windshield wiper fluid, paint thinner, and antifreeze. Ooh. Just so you know. It's not good for you. None of those things can be drunk by a cat with them surviving. So that's a point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they can drink salt water, allegedly. I don't know where you heard this from. I want to know. I don't remember. Okay. So it could be. It's worth a Google, maybe. (laughs) Right now. At this time. Cats can drink salt water. I I guess there's there's no other information. Boom. Sea salt can be filtered by a cat's kidneys. Boom. So they can rehydrate by drinking salt water. Probably not indefinitely. Mic drop. Anyway, I was talking about methanol. Sorry. <laughs> we're not we're not staying on topic today. I guess it's fine. Methanol plays a big part in the prohibition era, obviously, cuz early moonshine was full of it with high levels of lead as it was distilled through lead pipes. Good stuff. Lead soldering or even car radiators. <laughs> People were finding any way possible to make alcohol. That alcohol must have been hot. I'm saying these make you go blind. They tried to get rid of alcohol and they just made people more drunk than they've ever been in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> and in more danger. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another thing. It's just like people were killing themselves trying to replicate what they had before, what they can't get their hands on. And it's yeah. sending methanol or distilling it in car radiators. I'm yeah. like, what does that mean? Laced with fentanyl. This is just an example I read somewhere uh, trying to connect the dots between okay. keepers and alcohol and all that just before the passing of the 18th amendment which was the prohibition amendment the lighthouse keeper at pie island in lake superior oh cool died from methanol consumption oh, not <laughs> the local paper ran that robert forbes was found collapsed and later died at the hospital word said that he had been drinking with two other men who were found at a shack near the light also dead from alcohol poisoning oh my god a little so, irish coffee so What's strange about this is after 10 days of investigating, it was reported that Robert's head was actually just bashed in and well, he was murdered by the two men so they could get their hands on the wood alcohol. And then they died drinking it? Mm-hmm. And then these two had drunk over a gallon of methanol between oh, yeah. them in the shack and died. And just for reference, 10 milliliters of methanol can make you blind. And 15, it's like as little as 15 milliliters can kill you. Help me out. It's a like in a, in a dropper is milliliters. Yeah, you know, like those tiny graduated cylinders. Oh, wait, you're a mechanical. <laughs> Tell me, chemical engineer. <laughs> That's funny. I actually thought you'd understand. I know what a little graduated cylinder is. Yeah, it's very small. I get you. It's, yeah. It's they, they, they drunk way off the ledge. For oh, yeah. wood alcohol. So it had to have been really fast. I just don't know what their goal was. Probably to get drunk. They killed a man for it, so they yeah. probably were addicts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So nobody knows where this is the spooky part. 
Nobody knows where Robert's body is or which story is real. Either he was killed and it's No one knows where his body's at. It's as if it never happened, even though it's on record. 1920s? Mm-hmm. hundred years ago. He's just gone. Yep. And there's the story Robert. that he drank with these men and died. And that they got there, saw that he was sick, brought him to the hospital, and that's where he died. And then they do an investigation. They say that his head was bashed in and he was like very dead by the time they got there. Something seriously amiss. Suspect. So that's one lighthouse keeper down. Sorry, Robert. At least it's either from consumption of just whatever they can get their hands on in this time or whatever other people get their hands on at this time that they're willing to kill for. That's crazy. I know. What a weird story. Anyway, there are lots of instances of keepers being discovered drunk and unable to operate the light, but these stories are based around a certain type of keeper, a.k.a. a bad one, and not keepers in general. So <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> a certain type of keeper. Mm. <laughs> Those northerners. <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> Wait, before we move on, why did you pick Ohio? I don't know. It's just not anywhere near the coast. Okay. It's very uh, center of the cut if you're going to take a cross cut in the American culture. I think Ohio is probably, probably a part of it. All right. Just wanted to know if you had a personal vendetta against Ohio. No. And especially as keepers. Additionally, these stories of alcoholic keepers were independent of the time period in question. So they were never saying mm-hmm. that it was because of prohibition that they were like this. But you can kind of infer how. Just happened to be at the same time. The y- context can, of the. Yeah, like in, in the last written, story, yeah. the context. Like the background of the story is that you couldn't get your hands on alcohol in a legal fashion. Right. And so this is may have been why these things have occurred. But it, looking at its surface level, it's independent of the Prohibition era. Yeah. But looking at this era, one story sticks out amongst them all at Maine Duck Island. Sounds cool. Maine Duck Island was a small Canadian island off the coast of Ontario. Ontario. Thank you. I am so bad at pronouncing things. Like, this is sad. I usually you're not. You just, your confidence is low. You're getting it right. You're just not sure. Okay, but that's because the amount of times that I've pronounced things confidently and then had to go back and just listen to it, and there's no other way. Like, I just have to play it. I'm taking you on another tangent. I'm still unsure if we're saying Fresnel right, because the one guy... I know, he said Fresnel. Fresnel. And I'm like, I don't... Like, like formal. Like, if it's a French name, not like, you know, Fresnel, like, just like Fresnel, like... There's a slight upturn to it, but yeah. I'm just going to go up Fresnel because it's very American Ohio of me. <laughs> Can I move on? Yes, please. Maine Duck Island was an extremely popular spot for rum runners to stop. It was kind of like the article that I used that described a lot of this. It was called Maine Duck Island. Yeah, Maine Duck Island. It was called How an Ontario Island Kept the U.S. Boozy in the <laughs> Prohibition Era. Nice. So this was kind of the hot spot, this island, for um, rum runners, bootleggers. During the Prohibition era, it was owned by infamous bootlegger Claude King Cole, who bought it for $1,200 in 1905. So this Such was... a cool name. I know. Claude King Cole. King is in parentheses, or in uh, quotations, so it's probably his nickname. Uh, King Cole. I feel like I've heard that before. I have not. I think there's an alcohol named after him that I would know about. Not Captain Morgan. Maybe I've just heard about it in history class or something, but it rings a bell. Original. So when he bought this in 1905, that's a f- still quite a few a years before Prohibition comes up. But um, actually, 
Canada had its own prohibition going that just slightly overlapped with the U.S. And so he may have been using it for those purposes. Actually, I think he probably was. I didn't know that. Originally, Cole was a successful farmer and fisherman who built his two-story home on the island and rented it out to other commercial fishermen. Because it's like, it's in this area. uh, You can look it up. Look up a a map of it uh, on Lake. uh, I want to say it's Lake Michigan. Lake Ontario. I didn't know that that was a lake. I thought that was just a town. I think it's one of the five Great Lakes. Yeah, it is. Wait, now that I say that, is there five? I think so. Okay. (laughs) But it's at the eastern part of the lake where it curves upwards. And so it's like, and it's smack in the middle. So it was a great spot for, first of all, fishing. And second of all, to stop while you're passing through. Right. So he would rent out. the governments. Yes, which is important for the story. But overall even for non-nefarious yeah, purposes fishing. fishing he had hogs cows sheep buffalo oh my goodness and horses and cole actually bred race horses as part of his living oh my gosh which is what put him in the same circles as people who owned speakeasies which is how he became such a prolific rum runner or at least assisted a bunch of other people with rum that's cool i know it was like badass yeah as I mentioned, just as the U.S. went into Prohibition, Canada was allowed to make and export liquor, although they weren't. It was illegal to offload and to store it, which is a weird thing. Hmm. You can't store alcohol, but you can sell it. They probably did this in conjunction with the U.S. Pro- prohibiting all of that because they knew they were going to make a crap ton of money by people selling alcohol, but wouldn't have the problem of people keeping it in their homes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Cole smelled an opportunity and began to smuggle into the U.S., he would carry over a thousand cases in his yacht, Emily. Nice. <laughs> where he would hide the alcohol in abandoned stone huts on Main Duck Island, which I think is funny. That's really cool. Abandoned stone huts. And they uh, he owns the whole island, so they're like his property. Hmm. I wonder where they came from. I don't feel like he would build stone huts and yeah. abandon them himself. There's probably some history there. Fishermen would rent space on the island to stay with as many as six ships anchored around the island. And the island was very small. So it was like a, a lot of animals. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure he didn't have all those at one time. Oh. I did hear that his buffalo killed like one of his horses or something. So he shot them immediately. I know. So at least there's no buffalo around now. <laughs> and then these fishermen that stay on the island would take their alcohol back. With their catch, their, you know, their fish uh, for the day, and trying to avoid the Coast Guard who were armed and appeared to have a personal vendetta against... Against King. Uh, against... what was happening out there. Rum runners. They they worked hard. Like, oh, we're not, we're not running rum. We're fishing. Here's Wait, our fish. It's all our fish. These bottles are full of... Fish oil. Lake water. <laughs> but yeah, I did read that they used a lot of force in in enacting the law, which I don't blame them. But rum runners were pretty scared to come across Coast Guard, not just because they'd go to prison. I'll I'll post a picture. I have this one picture of a guy in his tiny little dinghy, and he's just flanked by this giant Coast Guard ships, and all of the guys have rifles. It's crazy. Dang. I know. He's just standing there by himself like, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) Border Patrol. (laughs) Uh, to evade capture, rum runners would wear cow shoes. This was this was an interesting thing I saw online. It's like With like a hoof on the bottom. They're nice dress shoes, and then on the pad of their foot and the heel of the foot, it would be a wood block in the shape of a cow hoof. Awesome. So in their running up 
the shores or through the mud or whatever, they leave behind cow prints <laughs> and not bear prints. That's awesome. I can post a picture of that too. It's pretty neat. So Cole had a close call when his island was raided, raided, raided by the authorities. After a while that they were there, they uncovered 32 cases of bourbon, 10 gallons of rye, and 10 gallons of just straight alcohol Good stuff. Uh, in one of his little stone huts. He was arrested, but at his trial, they argued the alcohol was just stocked up for personal use. And um, I just realized it's supposed to be illegal. You can't store He's Canadian. Yeah. Oh, in Canada, you couldn't do that. Yeah. I wonder if it, maybe it was because it was an island that he owned himself. It wasn't technically Canadian land. I don't know. But then why would they be, there would be no laws on that island. International waters. Weird. Do you think that's true? Maybe. But anyway, that that was their argument that, you know. He had like 60 gallons of alcohol for himself. Yeah. Judge ruled that there was no laws against someone using part of their residence to store alcohol. And so he was released along with all of his liquor. They just put it back. That judge was definitely paid. Oh, he had to have been. This is King Cole we're talking about here. Not long after Prohibition was lifted, so rum runners ran out of business. And that's kind of like the end of him being a prolific. I mean, but by this point, he was pretty old. And so I think he just got to live as long. When did uh, when did Prohibition end in the United States? Uh, 1933. It was broke enough. They figured it doesn't matter well, anymore. If you think about it, that's like 11 years. Long time. That's a long time. Like, you'd think it would maybe, in my head, like, I'm like, oh, that would last maybe like a year or two. It's like 11 years. That's that's extensive. Wait, no, 14 years. I didn't do the math, but yeah. <laughs> math is taking a hit today. Well, and there was, it wasn't just imports, too. I mean, uh, we should be sponsored. One of my favorites is uh, in Kansas City, Tom's Town Double Oaked Bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's really We have a couple good bottles whiskey. now, don't we? You get a couple of bottles of those. Um, thank you, friends. <laughs> but uh, it's it's very good, and t- it's Tom's town. Tom Pendergast was uh, one of several characters in Kansas City that became extremely wealthy mm-hmm. for running bars, and uh, they had fun names. I can't remember what they're called. Speakeasies during Prohibition, just I mean, in the middle of the country. So wow, n- not a lot of import I would imagine happening from Canada to Kansas. Although I'm sure there are some. Yeah, but. Yeah, it was a, a decade plus of Americans just breaking the law. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it was most people. I'm interested how accurate that was represented yeah. in films and stuff. I don't know. A lot of money coming across that border, though. Yeah, definitely. Probably the southern border as well. And King Cole has about half of it. <laughs> so what happened to King Cole? <clears throat> um, I don't know. After the just prohibition. stayed king? I think he... Probably stayed on his island, just did his thing. <laughs> He's a happy fisherman for all of time with lots and lots of money. He could never spend on anything. Race horses. So the reason why I mentioned Main Duck Island, besides it, besides it being a center of Pivotal activity role. in the Prohibition era, is yeah. that because it had so much traffic all of a sudden, what did it need? A lighthouse. A lighthouse. The lighthouse was built in 1913, which is funny because it's actually before the Prohibition. Right on time. Yeah. And instead of buying the land to build it, like instead of, you know, the government buying the land, yeah. Cole just asked for a dock to be built in exchange for the lighthouse, which is funny. Smart. It's like, oh, why would you need one of those? It's like a large dock for ships. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> 
specified large ships. Yeah, for lots of crates. Lots of cargo for fish. The lighthouse was completed in 1914. It's white octagonal with a red lantern room. One bright flash every 10 seconds seen at 14 nautical miles in every direction from the island. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's not on the high point of the island either. I don't know if this island's so small that it doesn't have like a summit or anything, mm. but it's pretty close to the edge of the water. So the fact that you can still see it on the other side. It's kind the of picturesque light, uh, lighthouse that everyone thinks of. Yes. The first keeper here only lasted a year, and the second keeper was around for just the start of Prohibition, and his name was Fred Bongard. Damn it, I don't know if that's right. Bongard. I don't know. So the only story that's written about him is a year after Prohibition started. This was in November 19 of 20. Captain Harry Randall in the John Randall. It's a ship. I think <laughs> it's funny he probably named it after his dad. Yeah, Harry on John. Was coming from Oswego. Is that right? I've never heard of Oswego. Okay. Oswego, New York to Ontario with a coal shipment. And I put the note, uh-huh, because... Coal. Mm-hmm. Oswego was a another hot spot. Probably one of the more renowned hot spots for rum running between running Canada and the U.S. So I think it's funny that I was just looking up like stories about this keeper and they're like oh they're bringing in coal from oswego and it's like sure (laughs) sure they were sure poor weather tore the ship in half and the four men had to swim to main duck island (laughs) i was like tore tore the ship in half they made it yeah barely because it's november so they had to swim oh god in like ontario i'm like also it's a storm yeah that's a ship ripper When they arrived, Captain Randall said they were nearly frozen, and the keeper took them in and immediately gave them rum. Which, Randall says, one of the men owes the rum his life. (laughs) Alcohol provides a sensation of warmth, but in actuality, your body loses more heat. Well, you said that about coffee dehydrating you, so. (laughs) Let's do a fact check. Fact check. Fact check, please. Fine. You look it up. I can't. Okay. Oh, I see. So the story is that your skin gets warmer because your blood vessels uh, open up. Mm-hmm. So your organs are not getting enough heat, but you feel warm. Blood dilates or comes to the surface on the skin. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So your heat is shed out of your body. Good work, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so these four men came inside. King was no, he's not. Who was the lighthouse keeper? At the time? It was Fred Bongard. Bongard brought him in, gave him rum, and yeah. they lived. So this was the very start of prohibition. We're seeing King Cole has already begun his life as a rum runner or a center of such, either by the suspicion that these men were not carrying coal and instead were carrying something else, or that his lighthouse keeper on this island is has rum handy whenever mm-hmm. it's needed for poor shipwrecked fellows oh no here's some rum yeah the keeper kept them for a week until the weather was better and then sent them along so we've got it and the next guy's awesome too so they have a history of good keepers here nice especially during the prohibition era wesley thomas was the next keeper and he was there for a majority of the prohibition era 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 and for over 30 years that's a long time so he and cole were like very close because of how much time they spent that is together. a long time. Mm-hmm. Ben Kerr 
who is another famous rum runner, said himself he didn't like the fishermen huts at Maine Duck Island. He said they were too rowdy. So he would often stay with Wesley in the keeper's cottage and confided in him a lot about his personal relationships. Whoa. Yeah. I read a little bit of a book called Whiskey and Ice that's all about Ben Kerr. And that's cool. Wesley's mentioned a lot like when he talked about his relationships or his his wife and kids and all of that. Uh-huh. It would be to Wesley. I thought that was sweet. Nice. It's a good reflection of these keepers in a time when people who had access to liquor were seen as illegal and given special names like bootleggers. Yeah. And really they're just the same nice same nice guys. Whiskey and ice. It's a cool name for a book. Many rum runners would not risk sailing with their illegal cargo on a clear night and would instead wait for a stormy night because <laughs> the Coast Guard were so scary. <laughs> Dang. This made lighthouse keepers even more important to their travel. Yeah. And in many cases, they would stay with the keeper until the conditions were right, which I thought was fun. It explains that coal load being torn in half yeah. as well. Gosh, I know. It's crazy. Prohibition era was ended in 1933 when FDR proposed and passed the 21st Amendment, which nullified the 18th. Of course. The Great Depression had set in, and creating legitimate jobs through the liquor industry was appealing to everyone. Well, mostly everybody. Many counties continued to ban alcohol for a little while, but most had abandoned Prohibition by 1966. Pick up sticks. <laughs> and that's where we end. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pick up sticks. Wait. 1966 was the end of prohibition in some states no yeah well they they clung on oh to my it. gosh in the counties South? counties and states were probably a little bit earlier what were they called dries 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 Man, those dries dries, <laughs> dries and wetties <laughs> <laughs> oh. amusing that's it just wanted to do a little episode talking about the role that Lightkeepers well, played really interesting. And when, when when you would have told me you didn't, but if you would have told me, yeah, it's prohibition based, um, you know, talking about rum runners, I th- I do not think of Lake Ontario. Mm-hmm. I don't think of Canada. Which what do you think of? Uh, well, because I probably of Captain Morgan, I think of mm. like the Caribbeans. Yeah. I think of this the South, the tropical waters coming into Florida, um, the Gulf. Uh, yeah. That's funny because when just I just because of rum. I yeah, when I was looking for lighthouses specifically that had anything to do with the Prohibition era, it was only up up against Canada. Like I didn't see anything about any other states or towards the no. south or anything, which they're probably out there. But I think I became so single thread on one area where there was a lot of history. Yeah. Well, there's so many people. If you look at the population dispersion in those years, in the United States there was mostly northeast. I'm sure. I mean, the West was was growing, but not. Uh, it it was it's been growing forever. It's still growing today, but greatest population is probably up in New York area. So it makes sense, New York, Chicago, to have uh, the alcohol yeah, pouring right. in there. Especially New York, I feel like that would be the center of it. Especially if it's the Roaring Twenties. Parties. Yeah, parties, party hardy. Cool. Well, I'm excited. Um, next episode, I got some things to talk about. So I just got to get them organized and be ready to be on the mics. And get lit. And get lit. Except not. Because Except it'll be sober. sober. October. <laughs> right now it's sober September. Anti-lit. This is the Prohibition era. <laughs> it's exactly 30 days. All right. Well, um, that's what I've got for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to go ahead and follow us at, on Instagram at the Lighthouse Lowdown so you can see some pictures alluding uh, that we allude to mm-hmm. during our episodes. 
then please do. We got followed by Eleanor DeWire, who writes oh, some yeah. keepers logs for the US LHS. I screamed when I saw it. I was <laughs> like, my hero. It actually felt like that. I was like, my hero just followed me on Instagram. I just think it's fun because I didn't follow her before this. Her her uh, username is the Lighthouse Queen. And so I awesome. wouldn't have I wouldn't have typed that in to find her. So the fact that she found us means that she She's, just came upon our podcast. Yeah. She doesn't have any numbers or anything. It's just the Lighthouse Queen. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I know. Lucked out. I should have put that. <laughs> I should have that. The Lighthouse Queen. Lighthouse Princess. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, oh, no. That's awesome. Yeah. Glad so she found us. She, if she thinks it's good enough, you'll think it's good enough. Follow us on Instagram. And also head over to podpage.com slash lighthouse lowdown to see where you can listen to our uh, episodes or you can listen to them there. Or you can send us an email at the lighthouse lowdown at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on The Lighthouse Lowdown. That's what it is. No more Africa. <laughs> 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 <laughs>